3: Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Kington here with Jim Cramer at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber live at Liberty Media's Investor Day in New York. A lot from David all morning long. Meantime, S&P going for nine gains in a row today. Longest win streak in 19 years. To do it, bulls will have to navigate a 30-year bond auction. More Fed speak, including Powell, and a wave of media consumer earnings. Our roadmap going to begin with that extended win streak for the S&P and NASDAQ. How long can that rally continue?
0: Also ahead, Disney is one of this morning's biggest gainers on better-than-expected earnings and a bigger cost-cutting plan. You're also going to hear from John Malone and what he has to say about Disney and streaming and so many other topics. It's our annual sit-down and exclusive interview with uh, a man who's been at the Center of Media for 50 years, Liberty Media's
3: Chairman John Malone. Meantime, let's begin with Disney rising on that profit beat. The company also said it plans to increase its cost-cutting measures by an additional $2 billion to a target of $7.5 billion. Bob Iger did join CNBC yesterday to talk about the quarter, including the company's growth in subs.
2: We do expect subscriber growth to continue, but we're mostly focused now on delivering profitability by the end of fiscal 24. You know, we had a great quarter, as you just noted, adding 7 million core Disney Plus subs. That was really the result of great content.
3: Jim, they keep
1: that Q4 24 profitability target. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things good here. There have been a feeling that a $5 billion cost takeout wasn't enough. This is from the what I regard as the, let's call them the peltz Motor faction. Ike being the largest shareholders sold, uh, sold Marvel. Now, this is what's really important to me is that the cash flow is so great, I'm now looking for a buyback as soon as next year, a good dividend. I like what I hear. These are surprising. Because they have the cash flow, I no longer think they have to do the strategic alliance I talked about yesterday with a gun to their head. I actually like, rather than just presume to be Apple, I think Amazon could be in play as someone who could be a partner for them. So I saw many things that are good. David, you may think I'm too bullish, but I'm all in. I'm all in Disney.
0: I'm trying to understand, though, what, what was it that, that, that gives you
1: this confidence, Jim? I believe in the cost cut. I, I was very worried about cost-cut, David. I think that there were a lot of people who felt that it just wasn't possible. Um, but when you have a combination of Disney Plus starting to get in a lot of subs, and the, the idea that maybe there were more fat than well, there was more fat than we thought, I'm in. Now, David, earlier this week, I defended the Disney uh, the, the Disney position I have for. Uh, my travel trust, I needed this windfall, and I am calling it a windfall. I think it's precisely what uh, Mr. Peltz thought could happen, and I think it's going to happen. Yeah. So I like it, David. I right. believe. I believe.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, there has, o- there has been a lot of overhead there that others have pointed to when you compare Disney's cost structure with some of its uh, competitors, for example, Jim. There's never been a question as to whether there might be more to cut. And so I think coming into the quarter, there was at least a hope that that the cost cuts would increase, and they have obviously to seven and a half billion now, and that's significant. Um, whether you can expect a buyback, I, I know, I, 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 even next year, I mean, there's so much still to come. You've got obviously, they had growth in subs, right? What was it, seven million at at, at, at Disney Plus, mm, which yeah. is which is. Which is good, but you want to, you know, you got to get to profitability. It does appear though that perhaps the biggest losses, I mean, for Paramount, it was last year now. For Disney, it will either be this year or last year. You know, they are, and HBO Max actually was profitable. So there is some light at the end of the tunnel
1: for these streamers. You know, it's interesting you mentioned HBO Max. I've been going over that what was considered to be a terrible Warner Brothers, and I know where you are, Warner Brothers Discovery, but I looked at the cash flow, I looked at the HBO Max, and I wonder whether maybe that stock was down too much, and maybe there is not the trouble, given the debt schedule, that a lot of people seem to think when it comes to what David Zasloff is doing. David, I, I, I'm not as concerned. You're not. No. You know, uh, there are people who took $500 million
0: out of their numbers, uh, in part because of what they were saying and terms of where they're not going to get in the leverage ratio by the end of next year. I do think there are some questions in people this morning who at least invest in these kinds of names who are struggling to understand because, you know, you had this pointing to the, the decline in advertising at Warner Brothers Discovery. It didn't appear to be something at least that Disney was as focused on, but it raised the question of the network business, of so the linear networks, and how bad things are. It's no surprise to anybody that they're bad. Bob Iger made it very clear in our interview last July that it was even worse than he thought, and he thought it was going to be really bad. So, Jim, I think people are struggling to sort of understand that quarter, given the 17% decline in Warner Brothers shares that took place yesterday and the fact that it seems to differ a bit from what we saw from Paramount and now from Disney as well.
1: Yeah, look, $2 billion uh, pay down in debt. I mean, Carl, we're, we're looking for certain things from certain companies. I just care about the balance sheet. For Warner Brothers Discovery, and I was not let down. But David's right. I mean, there was uh, there was not as much as we thought. And by the way, just so we know, Disney balance sheet, such we're not even talking about that kind of right. thing. We're talking about just spewing uh, cash. Yeah. You, so they are to very different animals.
3: You made that pretty clear. Uh, entertainment revenue up two. Uh, parks up 13. Iger did talk about too much quantity over quality, loss of focus in terms of their IP. Uh, the exhibitor business is going to get more attention because AMC's down 20 pre-market. Right,
1: I mean, again, I I go back to what did, what has Nelson Peltz talked about? Kind of a a bloated Disney. It just seemed that as if maybe Iger listened and recognized it's bloated. So, uh, and I thought to our excellent interview yesterday, we did get the feeling that he's got religion about what needs to be done. I don't know. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I need to buy, strong buy. Do you think? Uh, do you think this keeps Pelts at bay, Jim? No, I, look, nothing's going. You look. Nelson has great ideas. I mean, I'm reading a Unilever piece. The Unilever piece talking about how, what Nelson's doing in the Unilever board, trying to make it look more uh, more Procter. I do. Th- can it be disruptive? I don't like that term. I think it can be another set of eyeballs. I don't see anything here that would make me feel that Nelson is necessarily not involved, doesn't want to be involved. But I do think that Nelson has to be happy with it, with a, you know, a couple more billion taken out. Given the fact that what he was most concerned about was that. They were never going to take the money out that he thought they could. So anyway, look, it doesn't mean maybe he's a happy warrior, not a warrior. How about that, David? Not to mention, David, uh, we do have the
3: strike uh, ostensibly over with this new tentative after 118 days. That's going to take at least one long-term risk off the table, perhaps.
0: Without a doubt, uh, Carl. You know, there had been this concern that obviously if they didn't get there in this latest sort of back-and-forth that you might be really looking at a significant impact into next year. That appears not to be the case. As we see, they do reach that tentative agreement dealing with some of these issues in terms of residuals for streaming, uh, AI, uh, and how that's going to to work as well. So, yeah, an important, uh, very important development, obviously, the hope is that they'll get back to spending more money on content, by the way, at the streamers. Remember, I mean, some of the free cash flow numbers were enhanced as a, part of, as a result of uh, costs were a bit lower, given things were not actually being uh, produced at the moment. Speaking of streamers, of course, as you yeah. might imagine, it was a key component of uh, my long conversation, as we do every year, uh, with uh, John Malone. This year I did take the opportunity to visit with Mr. Malone at uh, Liberty's headquarters in Denver so we could be together, which we hadn't been in a number of years. And we continued a conversation we've had for quite some time. We've been talking about Disney Plus right here in terms of its subscriber growth, the fact that Iger uh, believes that will continue. But still key questions, of course, about the long-term profitability of this business, what it's going to be looking like and whether there needs to be some form, some form of consolidation amongst all of these streamers. Take a listen to Malone.
4: All of these companies should be talking to each other about whether there are synergies. Synergies in in total combination, synergies in sharing content, synergies in one guy becoming an output engine and the other guy being the, the platform. I think we're in a period of rapid transition. And for survival, all of these guys who don't have it made need to become creative. And the only way you can be creative is to get ideas from your brethren. You know?
0: Well, you've talked but, about bundling the streamers. Yeah. In other words, yeah. some sort of new or at least one proposition to the consumer. Sure. Is that a, is that, does, could that really
4: happen? I mean, well, it could certainly something? happen if, if one... One of the streams was focused on one type of demographic and the other another type of demographic. So like a Disney Plus together with Max might be a pretty decent combination. You might also see sports-related or focused bundles. You know, David, you know, your old buddy Zaslav, he's experimenting right now with putting a form of CNN on the Max bundle, and he's also going to put some sports stuff on the bundle and see what that does to right. churn, to consumer interest. Does it bring different Does that upset of the eyeballs? distributors, or no? I think the distributors are all in this world of, we'll get him when he renews, right? And just, just like Charter did with Disney, which is, yeah, Disney can experiment and they can do this and that and the other thing, but when they have to come back to us for the vast bulk of their profitability, we're going to sit down and have a serious discussion about the future. And I thought both sides handled themselves with great dignity, in that they didn't go out and say the other guy is a jerk. And the, you know, they negotiated. They were trying to get the other side to understand it from their point of view. You know, here's how we look at it. Here's, and I think they ended up with a good, a good solution, which I think will be the model now for some of these uh, old media streams.
0: Obviously talking about that agreement between Disney and Charter, we followed it closely. Gonna have an opportunity, by the way, later this morning to speak with Chris Winfrey. It'll be our first time sitting down. The CEO of Charter, I'm sure we'll talk about that disney agreement guys but you know jim when it comes to this world that we of course have been talking about for quite some time that's consumed what eleven billion dollars of disney's capital so far uh, it's still far from clear to the profitability of many of these streaming services even if even as they do inch into the black obviously other than one name that we all know very well netflix
1: well uh, yeah absolutely man look disney did make the point that fourth quarter uh, and they kind of pushed it out in some way uh... 24 is one of the uh, doable. You know, David, I was thinking when I listened to Mr. Malone, uh, and I was not thinking about uh, your buddy, uh, Dave Gibbs, as this. <laughs> uh But do you remember that in 2022, the Justice Department sued to block a deal where Random House would have bought Simon & Schuster because they felt that it would hurt the ability of writers to be able to bounce off these publishers to get the best deal. When I listen to Mr. Malone and I look at the meddlesome nature of the FTC and Justice Department, I wonder if they say, listen, you can do these combinations, but that would stop writers from being able to make as much money. That is what the Justice Department cares about. I'm not sure you could even do what he was talking about.
0: You know, listen, there are a lot of things you can talk about, but you always have to think about regulation. And we get into it, and, and I think we will share later in the morning some of our back and forth around the big tech, tech platforms. Uh, and how they, you know, in Malone's opinion, need to be more highly regulated, perhaps, uh, or at least in some way, curved, uh, because they are the true threat. Uh, Not everybody competing down here with each other, but when you deal with the Apples, the Amazons, the Alphabets of the world, Carl, you're talking about multi-trillion dollar
1: companies. You don't really have a chance. He's got a great point, especially because they have balance sheets that are different from David's buddy. <laughs> yes. That's Saslov just you know who the buddy is. Yes, that was a good
3: one. Still ahead, s and is riding its <laughs> longest win streak in a couple of years, going for nine straight days today. If we get ten straight days, got to go back to 1995. Oh, I loved it then. We will get to Take Two and Twilio and Affirm and Lyft and a bunch more after a short break. Futures are on the move higher once again. SP continues to ride this rally. As we said before the break, going for nine straight days of gains would be the longest since 04. But uh, Jim, you mentioned no. we got past the no. 10-year auction. Can we do
1: the same doesn't with the doesn't I just don't like this setup. And the reason I don't like the setup is because we've come in every day and the futures have been very tepid. Sometimes are actually looking down. When I'm watching Frank Collins' excellent show, it looks like the futures have be been bit. Uh, but interest rates have been tamed, you know, been tamed. Today rates are actually going the wrong direction, rates are going higher. One of the backbones of this whole thesis is you can pay uh, higher and higher multiple for some of the high-growth stocks. We lose the bonds. We have the futures up. That's exactly the opposite and worst setup we've had during this whole streak. So I don't like what I see, and I think we could go the other way. Um,
3: I was struck by the commentary out of the street yesterday. I mean, Goldman, the hard part is over. B of A, the bull case for U.S. stocks. UBS, another roaring 20s
1: for the U.S.? Yeah, it's just revolting. I mean, look, where were you guys at the bottom? I mean, we've had 10 days of gains. Uh, Look, I like November. I think it's good. Uh, One of the things that's great about November is that interest rates have been tame. If we lose interest rates, even for a couple days, you're going to have profit-taking. So, like, the futures being up uh, is as fatuous as those comments you just read and Uh, Not that I I expect that there should be, like, a wholesale sell-off. It's just that it's never this easy. And and I really want people to know that this whole rally has been uh, marginally about earnings and much more about rates. And You just don't want to – you want rates to be tame. You don't want them to be competition. Today they're competition. Uh, Speaking of earnings, we got
3: 90% of Q3 in, uh, beating by 5.7, which would be the best in about seven quarters. I mean, the, the idea that earnings have been okay, I yeah. mean, that's obviously a Q3 number. Well,
1: I but. think earnings have been okay, other than oils, uh, and the street really had finally guided down. I mean, let's just use a paradigm so people get it. There are two uh, two people who say the target should be bought today. Why? Because Brian Cornell de-risked it by having some negative confidence. Evercore does a tactical outperform. Uh, yep. I've got it in front of me, and I really liked it. And it just basically says, look, it's down and up. That's an idea I like. Okay, but you get these kind of ideas because we've moved. It's like we can't keep bowling Walmart. We can't keep saying good things about Costco. We can't keep saying good things about TGX. Hey, lo and behold, how about some Target? So people are trying to trying to uh, find new things to recommend uh, where the estimates have been cut or de-risked. But that again is not what I want to see. I actually prefer to note. Yeah, another note on Costco, because I just don't think Costco is that, that expensive. But, yeah, you want to do Target? Go ahead. But that's not – I want high quality, and I don't want to see interest rates where they are. And the futures should be down not up. And there's everybody in the futures right now – see, that's a kind of more ironic thing. that Like, they want us to notice it and say, oh, it looks good today? Sold to you, partner. <laughs>
3: We will see. There's a lot, uh, a lot of wood to chop before now in the close. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash, countdown to the opening bell, take a look at the pre-market here. Still a bunch of names we'll get to after a short break.
2: Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is
3: Let's get Kramer's mad dash as we count down to the opening bell.
1: There's a ton of news about NVIDIA and where their chips are going and whether they have a new Chinese chip. I would prefer to go back to a conference call that was much dismissed and derided, which was Oracle. And you see it happen right here, and it just was a disaster for Oracle. My Chapel uh, trust pulled all the way down. Now, here's what's happening. Uh, we now know that there's such a shortage of NVIDIA chips that Oracle is actually making a deal with Microsoft Azure to be able to provide more compute power because Larry Ellison mentioned on the last comms call, bought a ton of, uh, when they were cheaper, of these key uh, NVIDIA chips. So now it turns out that they were gonna get a lot of business in this partnership, simply because Microsoft can't get all they want. Let's extrapolate further. We know that China was not able to get certain kinds of chips that looks like that may have been a windfall for NVIDIA. They sold the chips to China for a lower price. Now there's flow back because the government blocked it. Given the fact that we now know that Microsoft is actually renting the Oracle Cloud, we have to presume that NVIDIA's marking up those chips real well. Good news, NVIDIA, which is one of the reasons why it's running. Good news, Oracle, which is why the stock was up. So you would take your
3: numbers up, NVIDIA? Yes. Are you worried about these reported new designs for China? Uh, You
1: know, I mean, I'm trying to confirm it somehow. You know, this is the kind of thing I used to run in trouble with Apple. The organization, the news outlet that talked about this is one that I do not know. uh, And I'm trying uh, trying to get it confirmed from NVIDIA. What does matter to me, though, is there's clearly a shortage of NVIDIA chips and it's so bad that Microsoft has to contract with Larry Ellison, who bought so many of the chips. So that is a sign that Oracle may not be as bad as people think.
3: We'll get to Arm as well in your interview oh, last night. Oh, I got a lot on that one. Yeah, uh, we'll get that after a break. Don't forget, opening bell's coming up in about six minutes. And you can catch us anytime, anywhere. All you got to do is listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast.
5: NVIDIA is a great partner, and, and yes, I, I I spent a lot of years there. Jensen uh, is a great friend, mentor, uh, and boss. We we do a lot of work with NVIDIA, and I think one of the one of the better examples in terms of how we work together and why we're a great partner for them is their next generation chip uh, called Grace Hopper, their super chip for for AI. Uh, training takes a, a tremendous amount of compute power, which the GPU was very good for.
3: That's Arms Chief Renee Haas with Jim last night following the company's first report since going public in September. Jim, down six pre-market, I guess it's yeah. on the guide?
1: No, Yes, it's on the guide. Now we've got a number of positive, I mean, I see JP Morgan saying the right thing, the right thing meaning, I think, positive. Uh, Redburn Atlantic, an outfit that I don't follow that closely, talking about not an ideal start and a miss. Uh, there is absolutely a belief uh, off the desk that they blew it, that they really didn't have, the next quarter's not going to be good, That there's real problems. I think this is a wrong narrative. I think there's a misunderstanding about what happens when you license and then when you get royalties. The royalties are are in the back end. Uh, They tried very hard to explain it. They did use the term supercycle, which you know I think is a kiss of death. We had a coal supercycle, we had a fracking sand supercycle. Drop the supercycle from the narrative. You don't need to talk about that, but you do need to explain that it's lumpy. Uh, it's lumpy for now because a lot of it is cell phone. and They can't talk about the fact that it's Apple who's the customer. They should have focused more on the PC. And they definitely are right to focus on the fact that their partner was with NVIDIA for Grace Hopper, which is the most powerful single combination in the world right now when it comes to burning, not that hot, artificial intelligence. Right.
3: Uh, Royalty revenue down five was the miss. And yes. to Jim's point about the super cycle, Renee talked about that as well. Here's what he said.
5: I think we're into a, a, a refresh cycle for PCs and phones, but candidly, Jim, I think for all devices. Uh, our quarter was, was so strong, largely driven by licensing revenue, which is an indicator for R&D investment. And what we're seeing now is really a, a super cycle of investment where today's compute uh, requirements uh, are greater than what the capabilities of the chips have. So what does that mean? Uh, we're nowhere near good enough. So people are investing in more and more chips, more and more compute, which is uh, which is good for ARM.
1: Right, look, ARM is gonna be everywhere, and I think that ARM's partnership with NVIDIA makes it so you have to have a CPU and a GPU, they could have used other people. But remember, uh, there was a moment when NVIDIA was trying to buy ARM. Now I am not being critical about the notion that there could be a huge amount of business just think when you say super cycle and then you give that guidance it perceived as light it's considered hubris and yet renee does not have hubris he's a humble person and also a raider fan which is just
5: unfathomable let's see how it does today with the opening bell here in the cnbc real-time exchange at the big board it is timberland company
3: wirehauser celebrating 60 years and of the NASDAQ, uh, Bang & Olsen, a Danish luxury audio brand. David, uh, no question Disney's going to be the standout on the Dow at the open.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, uh, as we've seen, the shares looking up about 4%. We're seeing overall some, uh, some positive tone to that sort of group that we've been talking about a lot the last... Uh, a couple of days, given Warner Brothers Discovery's numbers yesterday, brought down the likes of Paramount and uh, our parent company Comcast, all of which are up today. But Disney, in fact, uh, quite strong. You know, Jim, just to come back to ARM for a minute, um, and that 6% decline, it's the range, it's the wide
1: range of the guide, isn't it? That seemed to freak people out a little bit. Is that fair yeah, to say? 27 21. I wish they had not used the 21. When I say I wish, I want people to understand. I, I like ARM. Uh, but when you do that kind of guide, what you say is, well, maybe there's some sort of shortfall lurking. I thought that was a mistake. I think they shouldn't have been that uh, under promise, over deliver. What they should have spent much more time talking about is not this quarter that is in, but the next quarter, because I think that's the beginning of the better. You're right, David. I, the guy was such that when I saw it, my, uh, my jaw dropped. I said, oh, geez, I'm just going to have to just soft pedal this because I just don't think it's that bad. But not, a lot of other people just felt aggrieved that right out of the gate, they felt that there should have been uh, a better, uh, more upside. And David, I've got to tell you, I wish there had been two, but I think there will be. And I think that's what's more important. Got it. Got it. Uh, Carl, we
0: continue to see some strength in mega-cap tech, not a lot today, and I would note shares of Microsoft has started the session lower, but the move in that stock has been nothing short of extraordinary as it sort of distinguishes itself, particularly in the generative AI future, as perhaps being, you know, the leader, so to speak, uh, over Alphabet or even Meta, although we all know that they are going to be competing vigorously uh, with all sorts of products yet to come. Jim, Microsoft has added just a prodigious amount of market cap
1: since those earnings. Yeah, look, I think that what's happened with Microsoft is that you go back to Amy Hood, who's the excellent CFO. She had been dropping bomb after bomb for the last few quarters when she started saying, listen, don't get ahead of yourself. That was the opposite this time, and David, this GitLab uh, uh, co-pilot and the regular co-pilot that went on sale on November 1. I think people are starting to realize that these are actual profits, very big profits for Microsoft. So Microsoft has to be added into the mix with Surface Now and Adobe, of course, NVIDIA. Making money right now, David, that could be added this quarter where numbers are too low. The estimates are too low for Microsoft. That's what I think is happening.
0: Yeah. It's that small group though, Jim, isn't it, of those companies that right now are going to be beneficiaries with certain products uh, for generative AI, obviously Nvidia being sort of the backbone behind so much of it, AMD hoping to play, ARM talking about uh, Grace Hopper, but um, the other companies, you know, Jim, it's all in the come still, right? I mean, they have to talk about it, but there isn't yet something there.
1: No, and I agree. Look, every night there's one that talks about it that you thought, well, hey, maybe they're real. Twilio last night, Jeff Lawson talking about how AI mixed with their messaging is very, very real. Uh, I agree with you, David. When you start hearing about companies that have a lot of business and therefore have a lot of data and then say that AI is real, these are the ones. I mean, Carl, I think these are the ones where you just say, wait a second. Is it AI and inference, meaning you can figure out if you bought this or buy that? Or is it just people just saying, hey, look at that trend. Hey, let's run some AI. Or is it what I've been using it for, which is a summarized research reports? Give me, give me five key points, will ya? And it's real good at that. Yeah, or as Katzenberg said, uh, it's gonna change the way animated films are done. I mean, the the implications are hu- huge and broad. When you get more time in your life if you say, listen, I just got a 42-page report on Coinbase. Give me the three salient points, please.
3: A uh, lot of news in healthcare, Jim. There's the Amazon One Medical Primary Care. There's Lily, of course, the FDA news yesterday, and now AZN. Saying, yeah, we're a couple years behind, but we're working on next-gen oral Yes, yeah, so am
1: I. Will you give me a break? Yeah, I'm working on one where it's just like it shoots around the corner. I thought that that was outrageous. Don't talk about two years from now. Talk about what David Ricks has accomplished. Talk about the fact that he has actually lowered the price. This is on, uh, on, on Eli Lilly's offering, uh, because I just think that what people must recognize Zapnet, that, that's the winner. Oh, man, I nice. called them today to—I'm trying to— book
0: <laughs> uh, you cannot win them
1: all. You can't. Yeah,
0: that's I, how I feel. That's how I, I feel I, almost I, every day.
1: I, I, I when you was, book
0: somebody on Mad Money or Sarah. I work so know, hard every day. I mean, that, that's I, the face I, I feel.
1: David, I was this close. I was this close to nailing that one. <laughs> Dave, David has done a remarkable job. I, well, I, yeah, I, I think that that they uh, lowered the price. Some people saying, "Well, that's good for McGovia They're keeping a high price." Those are people who absolutely, literally know nothing. What matters, Carl, is is that the is that you're going to get a readout about heart and heart attack this weekend, that's which good. is going to make every single one of these health insurers say, "Wow, 660,000 people die of heart attacks. We're going to let people have this, and we're going to choose Lilly's because it's cheaper." And that's the way it's going to go. Wow. Uh, a ton that's of retail news, Jim. That I yeah. mean. Oh. Sorry, just to ahead, put James. a
0: fine point on that, Jim, that's it. You're, I mean, I don't. Not that you need me to tell you, but that's what everybody's talking about: the health insurers and heart. And if they get right. the results they need, let's just repeat it again. Then who knows? It's another leg, I suppose, uh, yes. because it and, will be covered.
1: Yeah, and that's that's before we start talking about sleep apnea and start talking about stroke and a bunch of others, and of course heavy drinking. David, what I think is is, is really important, and I know you're going to make fun of me, and I actually don't care, like Sam Gerard, yes, indeed, in the fugitive. David, you can't get the lily, okay? You can't get it, so like they can charge whatever they want. Try finding it. There is an outfit up in Massachusetts that apparently has some. It's that kind of thing. I mean, there's like a black the truck. So AI chips and GLP ones. Yes, the truck. AI AI truck, the, says, yes. Right. The truck we the don't. The truck it. doesn't come around. David Ricks might I know announce a guy up
0: in Massachusetts. He's got someone go by yeah. you a, know, it's you like know, need you need to go know, go know a guy. Up you up need to know a guy. But yeah, I'm yeah, sure that 90, David Ricks, who was mistakenly booked on the four.
1: Just kidding. I'm going to watch the four and the four I love. But David's got to talk about the second factory in North Carolina. David, the stealth, the skunk works factory in North Carolina that apparently has a lot more than. The stock is down 8 Okay, okay, that's okay. I mean, people really do believe that if you charge more, you get more business. Um, I've never learned that, David. That's not been the way I've done business. Hey, let's charge more, rip people off, and you know what? We'll get the business. So go ahead, David. Tell me something. Tell me something good. Tell me something sweet, will you? All right. I will. I'll tell you that
0: shares at Disney are up almost 6% this morning, and obviously, Jim, you were quite enthusiastic. Uh, It's a good (laughs) time uh, to to talk disney and actually it kind of worked out well in terms of what uh, malone and i talked about as well because we spent a good amount of time talking about the future of espn um, and what is going to happen to the bundle in terms of uh as they go to potentially uh, a streaming service for espn uh and any number of other things that kind of involve disney take a listen ESPN, which we have talked about and you have talked about for many years in terms of the cost of the bundle and what it did to it sports rights we've discussed. What do you think happens to
4: ESPN? Well one of two things happens. Uh, Disney gets bought and ESPN gets sold to private equity, right? which I've been predicting for 10 years I don't now.
0: know who buys Disney. I don't think Apple, Apple does it. They don't do it. John, they don't do deals. You know that. That's you went out and met with, with Cook. I, I know you did. I suggested
4: this And to he Tim. didn't even know what you were coming been, to talk to him about. I've been talking to Tim Cook about this for 10 years. <laughs> and he's so, not listening. So I know. He, no, he always asked me the same question. What John, what would I do with ESPN? And I say, you'd sell it to private equity. So Is he interested? Know, I say this a little tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Uh, I think if there were no antitrust issues and so on, don't, remember, don't forget, he was on Iger's board and Iger was on his board. I mean, those guys are, they know each other's business. No, but like Apple's the biggest games.
0: deal is a $3 billion deal to buy Beats. They just don't do it.
4: I understand. That said, what happens to ESPN, very similar to what happened to Disney+. Plus? Uh, when they start streaming it, the streaming version with ads... Will be part of the cable bundle, okay, and uh, and it'll be like Mox next, no difference, you know. You're you could go buy the stream of ESPN if you want, or you can just continue to receive it as part of your bundle, and uh, you know why would you pay for it twice, okay? It's going to be the theory, and and so it, to me. When I saw that solution, I said, yeah, this is rational. These guys are gonna have businesses that will transition slowly to the future instead of this being some kind of an abrupt break. Uh, and, and that was why I was afraid of an abrupt break because it would get to the point where you know, the cable guys are saying, we don't get any margin out of this. It's a terrible business. It has too much capital. The hell with it, will go out of it, and there have been cable companies in the US that have done that, and, and their, their multiple has gone up, okay, at least for a while. Right. I thought that was a terrible outcome. Uh, I would much rather see the, cable, uh, the broadband companies be distributors of, of streams in bundles, in packages, whatever. Because the two are kind of tied it to the hip. And, you know, if old media goes down, it isn't going to be good for the cable guys to only deal with big tech. You think ESPN finds a strategic partner of some kind? I don't know if they have to. I mean, the, the problem they face is escalating... Uh, sports rights costs which we've discussed and competing against and then competing incrementally as renewals come up with big tech uh, I Still think it remains to be seen if big tech ultimately dis- decides that this sports game is profitable I, I, I There's you know my experience has been you know, maybe 20 30 percent of households are sports fanatics and if you, all you've got is, you know, Thursday night football is going to work for Amazon because they can say it works. How do you know if, if adding it to Prime and raising the Prime price was because of Thursday night football or just because they had pricing power? You, you don't know. Uh, and so whatever happens there. But my suspicion is that, uh, that Google, YouTube, is going to have a big loss on out-of-market football. They paid too much. And I think they're going to discover that they paid too much. You do, know, Do they care? Eventually, they do. Yeah, eventually, you know, the accountants catch up with divisions that lose money.
0: <laughs> the accountants catch up with the divisions that lose money. Uh, by the way, uh, 8 o'clock tonight, we're going to air the, uh, much of the interview uh, in a special. Uh, prime time, because uh, there's just so much to, to go over with Malone. And you know what, Jim? I haven't done the math. Others have. Uh, I don't know exactly their methodology. But apparently, if you spend a dollar on TCI in 1973, it's worth $3,750 today.
1: It was the most heavily so recommended stock years, at Goldman. Absolutely. The 80s. Yeah, and he's created just kept an enormous the- amount of value. He's so smart. I mean, you know, David, I was trying to go over the Google what they're going to make on football, and I concluded, you know, maybe they're going to lose money on football, but I thought it was impossible. Well, you know what? The only people they said that were really happy with the football was the NFL because they paid $2 billion. He's on to something. I think Amazon, they absolutely love sports, so they know how to do it. I agree with you that Apple doesn't buy, but I also think that when you look at the Vision Pro, it is so important to get content because when you're in the Vision Pro, it's almost like those $30,000 tickets, David, that you need courtside to watch the Knicks lose to the Sixers. (laughs) Uh, I know. So you're still a
0: believer that something back to Disney here will happen in terms of Oh, no, I'm not a believer. I'm a knower. I'm not
1: a believer. I'm a knower. Because it has to. The Vision Pro is that important. ESPN and Vision Pro made in heaven. You lie down and you watch the game while you're watching Taylor Swift to the right. And you know what? You got everything you need in all of life, except for Pink, which is coming and I can't get tickets. You, you've been saying this for a while. Yes. We're going to find out. And I'm right. I'm right. Meantime, it's not too late to get in on
3: today's CNBC Your Money virtual event featuring Jim and a bunch of financial experts you can scan the QR code or just visit cnbcevents.com slash your money as we go to break we'll watch bonds today we've mentioned the 30-year bond auction fed balance sheet this afternoon we've got bostic barkin uh, powell this afternoon as well along with lagarde and bailey and Ueda at this imf conference 10-year 454 we'll be right back
0: Welcome back to uh, hmm, Squawk on the Street. You're choking me up, Greg. See that? <laughs> uh, we're live from Liberty Media Investors Day, and Liberty Media CEO Greg Maffei does join me. Uh, now, good to have you uh, thank, here. Thanks thank you, again. David. An annual, uh, I wouldn't miss it. How many years? I don't know. It's got to be at least 10, maybe more. This right? is my 17th. Wow. Uh, for me, at least 10, and I'm always happy to, to talk to you. Let's talk uh, Formula One first, because you've got a big race in Vegas coming up next week. We do. Um, you know, on the earnings call very recently, you said it's going to be a bigger spectacle, more impactful than we'd anticipated. You also talked about initial startup costs, and I, I did get a couple of questions, Greg, from investors sort of saying, okay, now you're, you know, you're spending, but the free cash flow could be quite high going forward from Vegas. Is that true? Yes.
6: I think there are a couple things to think about On the initial costs, um, we've got an opening ceremony that's grand, won't have that in future years. We had a a bunch of initial startup costs around security, around temporary bridges, around optimizing the fan experience in a hurry, that over time we're gonna be optimized both for the quality of the fan experience but also for probably improved profitability. But the impact, not just of the race, but what it will do to our uh, interest among sponsors, what it'll do to our interest among fans, we think that is gonna be enduring from this year forward.
0: Uh, and therefore, perhaps the possibility of generating a good amount of free cash in the future, which you do what with? Well, I think we look for ways to invest both uh, in
6: ourselves. We had a lot of capex related to this. We may see other opportunities. We bought Quint, which is a business which we think will help us reach our fans, providing premium hospitality experiences and the like around Formula One. But also we could look forward to repurchase stock, or do the like. We continue to also look at other IP opportunities. What I talked about in here was we are investors in premium IP. The Atlanta Braves, uh, Formula One are all great examples, Right. but we could, we could find others. We continue to look. Would,
0: would the PGA
6: be something that was included in that? I think the PGA is definitely premium IP.
0: You do. Does that imply that you guys are at least looking at it as a possibility along with what I know are a number of other groups that are at least knocking on the door there given the potential transaction with Liv? Can't comment on that, but I think the PGA is premium IP. <laughs> Maffei says premium IP. Got it. Um, back to Formula One before we move on. Um, TV contracts, you got a lot of questions about that on the call, you know, keeping them somewhat short term. Why do you think that's beneficial to not sign the longer deal in terms of the distribution of Formula One here domestically?
6: Where we've seen a stable market and an attractive partner, uh, for example, in the UK, we've done a longer deal, and in certain markets, but where we see the growth, we've, experience in the U.S. and the opportunity, we think we'll be able to capitalize on that relatively quickly, and the next TV contract, the next broadcast contract, whichever form it takes, will be better because of the growth we've
0: had. Okay. Uh, Move on quickly to Sirius. I know you probably won't have much to say here, but just timing-wise in terms of the collapse of the structure and where we stand right now, there were some who thought maybe you'd get an announcement today. Obviously, it didn't happen. Can you give us any updates? Uh,
6: We made an offer. Uh, We've had... Uh, dialogue, and I'm afraid that's all I can
0: say. That's it. Uh, any expectation in terms of when you'd like to at least have an answer?
6: Can't say that. Can't. We've only comment only that we've made and an offer. You have gotten so disciplined through the yes, years. You know, you know, you learn. What's um, All
0: right, let's talk Braves. Um, you mentioned them. Sorry that the playoffs didn't go well after 104 yes, wins. 104 season. wins. We know what it's like as Mets fans. 101 wins a year ago. Of course, we were horrible this year. What an incredible team you do have there. Um, It's an offensive powerhouse. It is. Why Why'd you guys sell the 1.8 million shares recently? Um, We originally had an exchangeable
6: debt that was done at the Liberty level when we split into different tracking stocks, and that debt had ended up over at Liberty Siri. Uh, There were underlying elements where, to remain hedged, effectively, uh, Liberty Siri went out and bought some Brave stock. They had an intergroup interest in the Brave stock, and when we spun the company... That no longer became relevant. They no longer had to worry about exposure to the Braves. So we only sold off the shares that were underlying that exchangeable and were no longer relevant.
0: Um, last time I had you on, I asked a similar question. There does seem to be a lot of expectation at some point that the Braves and the obviously the the entire the property and everything else may be sold. Is that a fair expectation?
6: Uh, we have no plan or intent to do that. We created optionality by creating a separate asset-backed security, but that. We have nothing to announce about that. We've at been all. owners for 16 years. We uh, love it.
0: I know you do, but there may be a lot of embedded value there. i not sure how you do a tax-free transaction for it, given all these guys seem to like to pay cash for these assets when they buy them. But.
6: but by having done the spin, we would be tax-free, certainly at the
0: corporate level, for any
6: transaction that occurs in the future. So that optionality is positive.
0: Um you talked about a pivot to live a number of years ago. Obviously, uh, Live Nation is an example of that. Are you happy you did it? You got out of a, a lot of linear cable networks and
6: we've been seeing continued pain there. Look, we, we have tried in these things, our investor days, to outline some of our views of the world. We talked about what we thought was excess competition in video streaming. We talked about why we thought the ear had more upside than the eye. We talked about the power of live. And we've tended to move on that. We got out of DirecTV. We got out of stars. We've invested in Siri. We've invested in a lot of live events, whether it be the Braves, Formula One, uh, Live Nation, all of which have been capitalizing on people's interest in live. We had some challenges like many during COVID, but we've come out the other side very strong with that interest.
0: How, you know, you do have insight, Greg, into a lot of different sort of parts of the economy to some extent. How would you characterize things right now on a broad basis? Uh,
6: I think there's surely nervousness. I mean, we've seen strong demand for at the higher end consumer. whether it be for ticketing and concerts, or whether it be going to Braves games, or whether it be going to Formula One, but I do think you see nervousness, and as you go down the income levels, you see far more challenges. And some of our other businesses, which cater less to that optional dollar, that that higher end consumer clearly feel a little challenged. Uh, you expect that to continue? Yeah, I think uh, you know we are in probably a higher for in rate, higher interest rate for longer period. I think that's probably right, yeah. particularly given the amount of. Of government debt, we continue to produce a $2 trillion deficit. Uh, it's not a positive. So, yeah, I, I do worry about that.
0: Yeah. Um, and finally, back to this idea of live, you know, again, you sort of keep an eye on so many different things. Uh, Endeavor potentially is going to be taken private, maybe or maybe not. They also own that 51% position in TKO, which is live. I'm just curious as to your thoughts about that asset, whether you think there's value there. Uh, I think
6: Endeavor owns a host of interesting properties. Uh, it did not trade particularly well, as you know. And um, and I think Silver Lake is looking at that and saying they don't like that trading and trying to take advantage of the discount Right to their credit.
0: You think so, to their credit, yeah. TKO at- attractive to you at all? From, a, from I think TKO
6: is an interesting property. I don't see them
0: releasing in TKO. No, uh, I-, I could imagine that as well. Um, Greg, we're going to have an opportunity to talk to Chris Winfrey about Charter. Normally, I'd ask you about that as well. Fixed wireless, you want to weigh in on that? Is that a real thing in terms of competing with broadband right now?
6: Clearly, for some customer set, fixed wireless is attractive. Um, I think it has expanded the market to new areas, but it's also been the case there's probably some substitution at the bottom. I don't think over the the long term that is as much of a threat as some perceive, both because of capacity issues from some of the carriers, but also because of demands. Uh, I know you spoke to John, our chairman, John Malone, uh, and he clearly points this out. If you look at how we're going to increasingly distribute video content with streaming it, um, it's going to put massive pressure on these fixed wireless assets. Uh, Our friends at Amazon who run Thursday Night Football are consuming something with 40 million streams, are consuming something like 25% of all the bandwidth in the United States during Thursday Night Football. As you see more of those kind of events be streamed, you're gonna put more and more pressure on these networks, and I don't think FWA is gonna be able to handle it.
0: Well, they don't pay
6: anything for that. It's inc- well, that's net neutrality, which I would argue is a complete travesty.
0: Yeah. Why uh, should Amazon not be paying for all that carriage? It's a good point. It's something that uh, Malone and I did talk about as well. Um, But, Greg, always appreciate taking some time with you. Thank you, David. Thank you for having us here, Yeti. Glad to have you here. Uh, Greg Maffei, CEO of Liberty, back to you
3: guys. Uh, Speaking of Formula One, next Thursday, don't miss Sarah Eisen's documentary, Inside Track. The Business of Formula One premieres on CNBC at 8 p.m. Eastern Time next Thursday. Thursday.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have Sarah on uh, Mad Money because I'm so excited about this. It's what everybody talks about. It's the sport that people want, other than global football. I've got tonight, by the way. I just, I just heard Buffet say, "Well, you know, there's uh, issues. What did Endeavor do? Endeavor cited positively. Again, they're our agent in the Take Two conference call. I have Strauss Zelnick tonight. Mm. And Strauss has been trying to crack into really good Zynga. Handheld, mobile, says that they've got something very good. So we're going to talk to Strauss about that.
3: I look forward to that, Jim. Uh, a lot of names that you'll uh, have thoughts on tonight, Absolutely. I imagine.
1: Absolutely.
3: Yes. Fantastic. You know, uh, we'll get to the markets here. Down, uh, goes red, uh, down 19. Uh, energy and industrials leading. Oil's back to 76. Consumer and health care lagging. VIX still below 15. Don't go anywhere. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC Squawk on the Street.
2: its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. I'm Cindy Lauper. My
4: psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis, but Cosentix works on both.